Welcome to Duval Radio. Yes, here we are after another loss. But guess what? It was a um um. It was um um. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to put it out the window here. We almost won the game, but um, it's fine. It's it, it's fine, guys. I mean, we we basically. I don't know how else to put it. Mike Glennon did good. So let's just start off with the stats, right? Because this episode is more going to be about the talking a little bit more about the future and some uh, other games that are important for us rather than this game. Because, yes, this was a good game for the Jaguars. I figured that the Jaguars would go against the spread here. I didn't think the Browns would win by more than seven. I mostly did that because of the Browns, because I, I, the Browns are a low-scoring team, kind of, pretty much. And they they scored 27, yes, but Jaguars scored 25. Uh, Glennon did his thing, right? He went 20 for 35 for the day. That's not too bad. I am wearing a uh, Jaguars jacket right now, because it is 40 degrees in Florida. So just want to mention that real quick, if you're not from the Florida area. Uh yeah, so Glennon, 20 for 35 on the day, 235 yards, but hey, no interceptions and two touchdowns. He also had two rushes for six yards. LaVisca Chanel had a rush. And James Robinson was our main man today with a hefty 22 carries on 5.8 yards per average, 128 yards, and a touchdown. We'll talk about him in a little bit. Uh, the fact that he's on pace to shatter a rookie running record, we will... Uh, Talk about that in just a little bit. This was Colin Johnson's big game, we should say. Uh, he had four receptions, 96 yards, and a touchdown. That's 24 yards per catch. Of course, he made the great catch from Mike Glennon. It's his second career touchdown. Keelan Cole had three receptions for 44 yards. DJ Chark was, you know, not playing. So Keelan Cole and Colin Johnson really had to step up in this game. Same with Conley out. Uh, so James Robinson had five receptions as well for 31 yards. He was getting involved a lot in the passing game. If you had him in fantasy, he got you like 28 points. And LaVisca Chanel got three catches for 31, including a highlight play. Eifert as well had three receptions, 16 yards, and a touchdown. So good to see Eifert back on the scoring board again. Defensively, no surprise here. Your top tackler is Joe Schobert. He's been doing that all year. Gerard Wilson had a good game with seven, uh, seven tackles. Josiah Scott, who... Was getting picked on all game, but he still picked up four tackles. But yeah, he had a tough time with Landry for sure. Miles Jack had nine tackles total. And I guess anything else big here? Aaron Lynch got a sack. Devon Smoot got a sack. So we got two sacks today. Kamlai Carrera got his usual one tackle. And Andre Grossas went two for three on his kick. But he did make a 54-yarder and was involved with seven points. And a big thing here, we only had three punts today. Good job. On the offensive side today with the ball in Glennon's hand. I feel like he did well. Looking at the Browns real, real quick. Baker had no interceptions, but he only had two touchdowns. 258 yards, so he's very pretty much exactly what Mike Glennon did. Chubb pretty much did exactly what James Robinson did. 144 yards and a touchdown. Except Kareem Hunt had 60 yards as well. And Landry, Landry beat us up for good. Eight receptions, 143 yards, and a touchdown. Defensively, they didn't have a whole lot of sacks, and in fact, they had zero. So Jaguars, first time the O-line has held to zero sacks. And Ben Barch, by the way, uh, on that uh, final touchdown that we got there, 
What a push. I mean, that guy was that guy was great. Uh, looking like a good draft pick so far. So, yeah, in total, I mean, it was a very close game. They had 459 yards to our 375. We had very similar passing yards, just 20 different. Uh, rushing yards, they had 207 rushing yards to our 140. They had one extra yard per play, but, like, first downs, 25 to 22. Our third down efficiency, just a little bit worse. Uh, we only had four less plays. We gave up zero sacks, right? Uh, the penalties hurt the Browns for sure, but they were, they were questionable penalties. And once again, we lose time of possession. But still, this is probably the best Jaguars game that they have played since the Chargers and then the win with the Colts. So they did good there in, in that form. Um, and, I mean, the Jaguars, they played good with key and Like, they, they had quite a few players out for this game. Of course, the Browns had Miles Garrett out, but, I mean, we didn't have C.J. Henderson, D.J. Chark, a lot of important players that we didn't actually have on our team. I said Ben Barch on that final drive, they just kept pushing. They just kept pushing. And it was great to see James Robinson just get through there. I mean, Ben Barch looked great. Actually watching that highlight right now. Um, but really the big thing that happened was the, the whole uh, Dave Caldwell getting fired situation. Uh, we'll talk about that in a little bit. But yeah, Mike Glennon made his first start in the last uh, three years. And I'll tell you what, man, it looked good. And I think if we, we should start him next week, I don't think uh, I don't think Minshew will be back. Uh, but we should definitely start him next week against the, uh, the Vikings. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, key injuries for us, though. Uh, Devon Hamilton got injured. He was actually carted off the field with a significant knee injury, so that kind of stinks. That actually stinks a lot. He was one of our better players on defense. Uh, but it's fine. We'll get him back next year. And uh, we play Minnesota, which is one four in a row, actually. Coming up next, we'll talk about that on Friday's episode. Um, I guess let's just take it quarter by quarter real quick, and then we will uh, kind of talk about a little bit of insight to the game so really we started off in the first quarter uh with a sack which was great for us and and then uh you know we they punted the ball we went down the field got a field goal was up 3-0 then they finally scored but then we got it working with James Robinson and then we got the pass touchdown by Colin Johnson things were working on the offensive side and then Baker Mayfield missed the easiest touchdown in NFL history that was pretty funny to watch I mean they still got it um and then Hooper, Hooper got his touchdown eventually. Uh, we got the uh, we got the interception, or I should say, uh, whatever. Yeah, inter- uh, fumble. Uh, we got the the fumble. Got the ball back. It was from Joe Schobert as well, which was nice. Then Hi- Tyler Eifert got the touchdown. We gave up a touchdown. Whatever. St- Tyler Stefanski challenged the call. They went for it anyway. Mayfield to Chubb. They got it easy. Went down the field. We scored the touchdown because of the funny penalty of Olivier Vernon. Uh, and then we got the offensive line touchdown. But then, per usual, our two-point conversions sucked. Um, so that's what happened there. It was a very close game. And it does look like uh, Glennon will start uh, against the Vikings. So we'll see how he plays. Uh, against the Vikings. 
I, I'm assuming he'll play because we haven't heard any news for uh, Gardner Minshew. Um, so now I just have one, two, three, four, five. I have uh, six other things that I've written down here that I want to talk about. Uh, this is going to be one of our shorter podcast. I mean, they're usually about 20 minutes, but uh, there's not much to talk about when you have a losing team, you know? Uh, but we're going to talk about James Robinson. He's on pace to shatter an undrafted rookie record. Also, I am looking for other people to maybe do this podcast with if you'd like to join an episode uh, because I am trying to make these podcasts a little bit longer and it's harder to do when you just have one person. Uh, but James Robinson is on pace to shatter an undrafted rookie record. Uh, J-Rob's on pace to break Dominic Rhodes' undrafted rookie scrimmage record. He only needs 159 more yards. And there's five more games. Or, yeah, there's uh, five more games for them to do that. Uh, he's actually 1,100 yards away from Eric Dickerson's record, so that's not going to happen. But still, Fred Taylor's rookie scrimmage record was 1,644. James Robinson needs to average 95 scrimmage yards to break Fred Taylor's rookie record. Take it this way. James Robinson has been averaging about 70 rushing yards a game and about 20 passing yards a game. That's 90. So if J-Rob just does average, you know, 80 scrimmage yards per game for the next four games and then maybe at the end of the year has like a 200-yard scrimmage game, he can get it. So I, I do think that's possible. A lot of people are comparing James Robinson to Frank Gore because he doesn't get negative yards. He's always going forward. I definitely see that. Um, and a lot of people are also saying Chris Carson. And I like that because I think he does look a lot like Chris Carson. Um, but James Robinson isn't a guy that has crazy speed like Nick Chubb or something. But I do think James Robinson could possibly break that. Uh, well, he's going to shatter the rookie record or the undrafted rookie record. But I do think that um, James Robinson will be close to Fred Taylor's 1,644 yards. kind of crazy, isn't it? Uh, Chase McLaughlin. Yes, we found our kicker, uh, at least for the rest of this year. Chase McLaughlin is the only NFL kicker to convert every scoring attempt this season. He's 3-for-3 three three on field goals and 2-for-2 two two on PATs. The funny thing is, Audrey Grossas was in the last game. Um, but Rosas looked fine. But McLaughlin, he's 100% actually. So we'll see. Uh, let's talk about the Jets and Rams game in two weeks. That is the most important Jaguars game the rest of the season. Why? Because if the Jets win that game, they lose their claim on Trevor Lawrence. And the Rams are currently second place They still have, in the NFC West. They still have two games versus Arizona, one Seattle. They have one more game. There is a chance that L.A. loses three of those five games, taking them out of the playoffs and giving us a top 20 pick. And if the Rams lose to the Jets, we get Trevor Lawrence and a better Rams draft pick. But that's not going to happen. I don't know. It's not going to happen. Here we go. Seven potential candidates for the Jaguars next DM. As we know, David Caldwell was fired. If you didn't know that, then you're not a Jaguars fan. Um, so here's our head coaching candidates. Number one, Eric Bieniemy, Chiefs offensive coordinator. Arguably one of the best head coaching candidates to come out in a very, very long time. If it wasn't a crime that he was hired off-season, this offseason he'll be taken. 
the offensive coordinator behind the NFL's best offense the past two years. The Chiefs' offense is the most organized, efficient, yet the most explosive in the league. Here's the thing. Everybody wants Eric Bieniemy. There's going to be the Jets who want him. There's going to be one. The Falcons are going to want him. The Texans are going to want him. He's not going to go to the Jaguars. It's not going to happen. Someone who could is Indianapolis Colts defensive quarter Matt Eberflus. With not the best collection of talent for the years, he's made the best team when he can. They do have the number one defense, the least penalties, and more talent to come. Uh, and they, they improve year in, year out on the defensive side. And that would take away a key defensive coordinator from the division. Who else could want Matt Eberflus? Probably the other teams I just mentioned. There's going to be like five teams. Um, number three, 49ers defensive coordinator Robert Salas, or Salas, whatever you call him. Um, last year, I wouldn't touch him since I thought he was just coasting from the surplus of the talent. But their defense is still doing good, even with the countless injuries they have. And it's obvious that he's a good person uh, on the coach coaching side of the thing. Number four would be probably the guy the Jaguars would go for because it's not a huge name. It's an offensive coordinator, and it's Joe Brady, right? He, he's 31 years old. His stock is going up, and he was the coordinator of the LSU Tigers with the best offense, and he has been great with Christian McCaffrey. He's been great with Teddy Bridgewater, and he'll be a head coach soon, and I think, especially he learned under Sean Payne, I think he's the best candidate for the Jaguars. Who we avoid? Probably Byron Leftwich because out of all that stuff that all the all, all the weapons he has on that offense in Tampa Bay, he's not really doing much with it. And I would definitely stay away from Jim Harbaugh because he couldn't even do anything with Michigan. Um, I think we should probably hire Joe Brady or Matt Eberflus. I think, I think those are the best choices for us. Um, so now let's go over the seven potential candidates for the Jaguars next, the uh, GM. Uh, there are quite a few here. Uh, Mike Boronski, current role is with the Chiefs. Uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of stuff that makes sense with this. Obviously, we're talking about the Chiefs. We're talking about guys who have been able to draft and develop talent. You know, Dave Cadwell, his issue is not drafting. Dave Cadwell has had really good drafts. Jalen Ramsey, Miles Jack, Yannick Ngakwe. Um, I mean, heck, De- Devon uh, Hamilton, Zaja Henderson. Like, Dave Cadwell's issue has not been drafting, and the Kansas City Chiefs have made good drafting. That's not the issue. Dave Cadwell's issue is being able to keep his, keep his players. Um, so, I mean, I could I could definitely see Mike Ronsky becoming our, our guy. He's the Chiefs guy. What, what if we get him and be enemy? What if we become the Chiefs? Um, Elliot Wolf is with the uh, Patriots right now, uh, son of Hall of Fame general manager Ron Wolf. Um, he has he has years and experience in the pro personnel side, working in essentially every role responsible in the front office for, with the Packers for 13 years. Uh, he's on the Patriots now, though. Uh, Joe Horse, Joe Horse is the Baltimore Ravens director of player personnel. Another pick from one of the NFL's best uh, FOs front office. Um, he's been with the team since 1998. He was a college scout. Uh, he scouted quite a few guys like Ben Grubbs. And it looked like he, he'd be a good executive to have on the team. Adam Peters, vice president of personnel, San Francisco 49ers. We'll have to pick up him and Robert Sully. 
Seeing a little trend here, huh? Uh, young and up, uh, young up and comer in the football industry. Uh, Adam Peters has a lot of qualities that Dave Cattle had when the Jaguars hired him. So ugh, who knows? Um, Peterson's in his or Peters in his fourth season as the vice president. So it'd be early. Uh, he was a scout though for the Denver Broncos. Uh, scout Pioli is currently not holding a job. But he was one of Bill Belichick's guys, and we all know how that goes. Let's hope we don't get him. Uh, final two, Jeff Ireland, assistant general manager and college scouting director of the Saints. This is my favorite pick. Why? Because he's already an assistant GM, right? And he was a scout, and he worked for the Saints. So he did not have a good time with Miami, yes. But now he is one of the league's most respected personnel and I do think this is probably our best pick. Uh, he's done great with the Saints for the last few years. Um, he already has experience. I said he's been a scout and a general manager. I like it. And then maybe a guy that would be kind of a gamble for us. No pun intended, Tom Gamble, who is the assistant general manager of the Montreal Alouettes, who also, I mean, they've, they've pretty much signed every NFL player that's come through there, it seems like. Uh, he tried to get the Jets, but uh, didn't. Could Shad Khan have interest in him yet again? He works in the Canadian Football League, but he's one of the one of the league's most respected personnel men. He had Eagles, Colts, 49ers. Those are the teams he's been with. Could Jacksonville be next? So thanks for listening to 18th episode of Duval Radio. We're 1 in 10. We haven't won since the first episode I made. It's been 17 podcasts since we've, since we've won. So uh, we'll see if that changes this week. Talk about that on Friday. See you then.